Welcome to Power Search from the Center for Industrial Progress. I'm Alex Epstein coming to you from Orange County, California, joined by Stefan Hen coming to us from Germany. Stefan, welcome back. Thank you. Hello from, from Germany. All right. So, well, actually, we're going to switch it up on the spot. We're going to talk about two stories today, but we might as well talk about the one from uh, Germany. What's going on with Germany and wind turbines? Um, well, a German uh, magazine, uh, Ingenieur.de, uh, reports uh, that there's a study uh, by the British Imperial College um, that says that monthly about 10 uh, windmills worldwide are damaged from fires. And uh, it typically leads to totaling the windmills because... Uh, the firefighters or the fire departments cannot extinguish the fires because it's so high up in the air. Um, yeah, and that's significantly underreported. Uh, typically, you just get a couple of uh, fires on windmills a year in the news reports, and uh, that has a significant impact on the economics of windmills. Yeah, like how they said, one, 10 per month is the average, but one per month is the average uh, reporting. Um, I mean, I imagine it, it must be fairly conspicuous when it happens. Yeah, but, but there's just uh, probably in underreporting because they are sometimes in remote areas or even offshore. Um, so not every burned up windmill is visible to everyone. So, yeah, what, what's your suspicion? I mean, maybe we, we can't even speculate in terms of of just the the prejudices of the reporters. <laughs> um, well, I mean, local reporters. I don't know. Uh, they might um, they might be underreporting this because they don't think it's a big deal if one windmill breaks down. Or, but you can see this. Um, bias when we talk about something like a power outage in a nuclear plant, which has probably nothing to do with like the nuclear part of the reactor. That's immediate, immediately reported like a giant deal, even if nothing really happens. But with windmills, it's apparently not a big deal to most reports. Yeah, and there's not that, there's not the publicized imagery of what it looks like when things go badly, which is a lot of, of what happens with other kinds of plants. And now that, that kind of imagery, I don't think is, uh, that needs to always be put in context. So it's not just, oh, let's show a bunch of burning windmills to, to make things equal. But um, yeah, there's just no context. For, I mean, just the, the idea of, of context, including being objective about the fact that everything has benefits or at least certainly everything has risks and side effects, and you need to look at uh, at the big picture of pursuing one course of action versus another. That's certainly not done, and that leads us to our next story. The White House has yet another report on climate change. What is that? Um, yeah, it comes from the Council of Economic Advisors to the White House, and uh, the report is called The Cost of Delaying Action to Stem Climate Change. And the approach, um, according to thinkprogress.org, uh, where this appeared, um, if, uh, that 
the view is like an insurance policy where you, um, um, you know, use a early monthly fee to cover the future damages that might occur. And um, the report finds that this is much more efficient than just waiting for the climate catastrophe that is upon us in the future, at least in the year 2100, and uh, then pay for the damage that occurs. And the major major driver of reducing this cost is um, decreasing CO2 emissions from human activity, of course. Right. So something as a trivial premium like not using nearly as much energy. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you mentioned this when we were speaking in advance, but it's it's they like these they like these scientific or technical sounding things like insurance and yet it's almost always the exact opposite and you mentioned that there's no they don't give you any fine print there's no specificity so one thing you want to know is well what is the what is the magnitude of the threat another thing you want to know is what is the policy going to pay you with respect to the threat is it going to cover the whole thing and then finally, how much does the does the policy cost? And I think you know includes how much it costs in terms of what you're paying for it, and then any kind of opportunity cost, something that you're not um, doing. So you know, for example, if uh, you know if you had an auto insurance policy, I'm making this up on the spot, but it was okay. Well, you can pay a hundred thousand dollars a year for a policy that will protect you so long as you, from all the costs of driving, so long as you refuse to drive, okay, well, that's not a very good uh, policy. And you might think, well, that's a ridiculous analogy. Well, it's not, not too much, because here, what's the threat? Well, it's, it's unknown, or it's, it's really arbitrary at this stage, given that it's, it's, it's assuming that there's some substantial increase in the natural danger and the vol and volatility of the climate, which they don't acknowledge in the first place. They act like climate is safe and we make it dangerous versus no, it's dangerous. We have to make it safe. So there's this, there's this just arbitrary assumption. So it's an unknown, it's certainly not quantified in any objective way. Um, so there's unknown threat. And then the cost is massive. So let's just say it's, you know, it's an insurance policy that costs you, five million dollars well that's more than almost everyone is going to make throughout their entire lives so it's 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 completely disastrous it's a vow of poverty um, so what is it it's protecting against this unknown threat and then on top of that what is it what is the payout you because the insurance policy doesn't always you know there you have deductible issues well it turns out here the deductible is the entire thing because what they're saying in terms of the kinds of reductions that they're proposing would be ruinous for the u.s but would not affect significantly. Um, it certainly wouldn't reduce global, you know, global uh, parts per million of CO2 to the 350 level or whatever they say is necessary. It wouldn't reduce global CO2 emissions by the 80-85% they demand. And so as a result, it would have a, a rather trivial effect on global CO2 emissions. So you, by purchasing this deadly policy, you would be getting nothing. Uh, in return, and this is this is 
there's there's what's wrong with this specific thing, but there's just the whole methodology of someone coming to you saying, I have a problem, climate change. Everyone agrees that there's a problem, therefore accept this solution. No. You need to be specific about what the problem is and what the alternatives are, because everything has some problems associated with it. Now, maybe this doesn't because it's arbitrary. Um, but even if it were, even if there were some you know, significant climate change side effect, this kind of reasoning would be total garbage. You'd really need to look at, well, what are the benefits and what are the risks? And they're not doing that. Um, so it's, it's just, it's, it's completely dishonest. And it's, it's, if they got away with it, it would be very, very um, bad. And, and maybe this is a time to plug the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, because the book, a lot of the focus is on how to think about these issues. Because once you frame them the right way, once you inquire about them the right way, you most of this this garbage gets cleared out of um, out of the way, and you see overall, uh, you know, all the evidence is that using fossil fuels is so much more beneficial uh, than not using them. Uh, Stefan, thoughts? Yeah, with these reports, I mean, unfortunately, the field of economics has this um, uh, has this image of you know garbage in garbage out uh, a lot of people make a lot of predictions and they don't uh, appear to be any there doesn't appear to be any connection to reality with it and we've seen this with uh, climate change uh, reports and from economics departments and the IPCC and special reports and so on they all come up with different damage numbers uh, on different time horizons and they uh, don't align with each other very well and uh, so you know, you might come to the conclusion that most of these numbers are just made up. But it's also important to remember that the climate models that uh, all this is based on are not very good, at least not on the local level. You know, some climate variables might be well predicted on the global level, but on the local level, they're not that good. And so you have to question, you know, the very fundamentals and basis of this uh, economic estimate on top of something that is that has to include a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, the, when with, whenever you're getting any expert claiming something and you parse out what he's saying, the question, a lot of the question is, how much is in his field of expertise, and then is he is he is he overstepping his field of expertise, and then is he overstepping what's known? And you just listen to this guy, Jason. Uh, Furman. I know nothing about this guy. I've never heard his name, but just uh, I just this statement is is it does not reflect well on him. Um, at this stage, there's no doubt that climate change is real. Okay, this is the kind of just completely manipulative language we've talked about a million times. Not defining climate change. Not you know, everyone who listens to this should know that deal. What's wrong with that? That it's being caused by our activity and no quantification, no specificities, just and but here you go. That it's harming the planet. What what does that mean? It's not even a meaningful kind of thing, really. I mean, I, I you could talk about I, I mean I talk about it colloquially as improving the planet, but it's it has to be from the perspective of some organism. Because yeah, whatever we do, it's gonna benefit some organisms and harm others. Uh, so 
you know, and affecting our lives. So it's harming the planet and affecting our lives. That means the planet is something separate from uh, our livelihood. So it's viewing the planet as this, as this super being, as this, uh, you know, whether it's a deity or whether it's the super organism that we can harm or offend or anger. So that's just a total religious view. Um, so it's just, it's notable to, to, when these experts come out, see, are they, are they giving you super clear explanations based on things they actually know, or are they trying to intimidate you because they managed to get to be Council of Economic Advisors chairman, no doubt, because they supported the president's uh, policy. So ultimately, you have this, this set of selection criteria by which the, uh, the political master at the time is... You know, there's a big process of elimination by which the, you know, the people on the quote-unquote Council of Economic Advisors are quote-unquote economists who think that everything Obama's doing is a really good idea are willing to say that. So that, that significantly narrows the field down, and it certainly narrows it well past uh, anyone who would be very good. Um, or really honest about this kind of issue and what, what the field of economics even knows about it. Uh, Stefan, anything else? Um, yeah, I also think that the analogy of um, insurance is really wrong because um, they're not like an insurance company making an assessment of something they really know might happen with some realistic probability, but they are like a politician saying, well, you give me uh, a certain amount of money and I will uh, decrease the crime rate in the city. And without even knowing what uh, the crime patterns are, what the gangs are doing, what the behavior of the local population and so on. So it's really, I mean, it's fascinating how these people come out with these reports, making these bold statements about how they can calculate the future. Yeah. Yeah, just always watching out for bad, bad in this case, bad analogies to, to put to because what they want to do is is take the the good reputation that insurance has in your life, particularly for dealing with things that you're afraid of, and they want to cash in on the fear that has been generated over this issue and make it seem like oh well yeah let's let's make sure that we're we're quote doing something and you see that language here you know doing something oh no. The, the doing something that we need to do is to produce energy and to protect ourselves from climate, and which requires producing energy. So this, this, the idea of doing something as in shutting down the power plants and the flow of oil, that is, that is doing something in the sense of, uh, you know, you buy health insurance and then promptly commit suicide. Um, so the act of suicide is not insurance. Uh, all right. Well, that's good. We're at 15 minutes. So as always, if you have any questions, comments, love mail or hate mail, you can email me at alex at industrialprogress.net, stefan at s-t-e-f-f-e-n at industrialprogress.net. Uh, make sure to get on our newsletter at industrialprogress.com. And I will talk to everyone tomorrow. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you. Have a nice day.